Welcome to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today I'm going to cover a concept that many of us are probably familiar with. And it's the concept of modeling or the concept of demonstrating what it might look like to have a relationship with God to other people where they can see your life as a model of that. And, you know, this can be a tricky subject because if you're not careful, what happens is this this idea becomes the fuel and even the vehicle for performance to go through the roof. Because what happens is you start adopting perspectives and and viewpoints that say, if I don't do this, this, and this, then people won't get this, this, and this. And so now it's all about myself in order to fulfill some sense of purpose related to God. And that can just lead you down a slippery slope that leads to a place of burnout and disillusionment. And that's not what we're going to talk about today. So everyone can take a sigh of relief, take a deep, deep breath. And uh, hopefully what we talk about today will be actually more encouraging than that. So I want to look at, um, start with 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're just going to read verse 1 and 2. And and then I'm going to talk around that for a little bit. We'll we'll reference another verse and then we'll wrap this thing up. So 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 and 2 says, follow my example as I followed the example of Christ. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. Okay, so it's kind of an odd little verse uh, or passage to, to point out. Here's what's so interesting to me. The first verse here says to follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, guys, you're not quite getting the point. So watch me and watch who I'm watching, which is Jesus. But then he makes the statement. He says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. This struck me the other day and what I thought is it's almost like Paul saying you guys have totally heard what I said and you're actually passing on what I've said with great clarity yet you've missed my life (laughs) for he says follow me in other words you're not and then he says but you are holding to my teachings which is kind of an odd statement And it's almost, again, I'll just repeat what I said. It's like he's saying, you've heard my words, but you've missed my life. Especially in a Western society, I find this is such a common thing today. We are so easy to gravitate towards language and catchphrases, but we don't see that real secret or the the power source of, of, of those phrases that someone might be speaking from, whether it's a church or a classroom, or just a lecture you're listening to. We don't catch the formation of of where those words came from. We just catch them at a very superficial level, and then we repeat them as if we know them, and yet there's no life on them. (laughs) So people don't actually get inspired when we repeat the phrase like we were inspired when we heard that 
original phrase spoken from someone who had actually lived those words out. And I would say, by the grace of God, live those words out. But here's the fascinating thing. This word follow in verse 1 is the word memetes. And this is where we get our word mimic or imitate. Now, that probably brings some bad connotations to mind because we think if you're mimicking or imitating someone, it's a copycat. But there's this way of learning actually called mimetic learning. And this is this word mimesis is is used to derive this other word, which, you know, mimetic learning. Here's what's fascinating. Mimetic learning, the simplest example I can give you is with children. This is how kids learn to walk. It's how they learn to eat. They watch their parents or adults around them do those activities. They watch you walk. And that's where they're through observation, they're learning how it works, and then they it brings them to a point of wanting to attempt to walk or attempt to eat. So th- through watching you take food from your plate and put it on a fork and put it in your mouth, they learn how to actually use utensils to feed themselves. This is fascinating. This is the idea of mimic. This is the idea of Mimetes. It isn't just copying somebody. It's an ob- it's the sense of observation to the point where you can now do the very thing that you just observed. It's like you take in a vision, a picture, an image, you process it, and then through that perspective, you apply your knowledge and you're actually able to reproduce, so to speak, the same activity that you observed. This is, this is the foundation of the idea or the concept of modeling. Paul says it another way, actually, in the book of Ephesians chapter five, verse one, he says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Okay. So I want to point two things out from both of these verses. Um, same, the, the word imitator is the same word, uh, mimetes, where we get our word mimic and where we get our word imitate. And notice who the ultimate person is that we are observing, that we are being consumed with, is God himself. So even in verse 1 of chapter 11 of the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mimic, imitate me as I mimic, imitate Christ. In other words, if you don't see it yet in the divine uh, relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit, I do see it. So watch how I am imitating the life of the Godhead. Watch how I am observing and pondering and meditating on and drinking deeply in the truth that I am woven into the Godhead that I am participating in the life of Jesus. He is, I love as one author puts it, Jesus isn't an example, he's not an example for us, but he's an example of us because he is fully God and fully man. He is showing humanity 
Here's how a human being was designed to live. Let me show you. What does Jesus say? Think about this. John chapter 5. The son can do nothing on his own, but he only does what he what? Sees the father doing. Jesus is actually modeling this life of modeling, of imitating, of mimicking what the father is like. Now, Jesus isn't watching God the Father as as if he was a separate person from him and okay now how do you serve you know five loaves and and two fish and make it 5000 okay now I can do that no he he was in union with the father he said I and the father are one he was in union with the father and from that place his senses that word see in John chapter 5 literally means the senses so Jesus was sensitized to to the Father's presence. He was aware of the Father. He stayed aware of that sense of peace, rest, and grace, that empowering presence of the Father to where he knew the Father's desire. How did he know the Father's desire? John chapter 6 brings us into this. It says, no one can come to the Father. I'm sorry, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So Jesus had this deep confidence that what came in front of him, that when things came in front of him, he could discern in his senses, in his touch, in what the, the compassion of his heart, that he would feel the emotions of the Father. In his mind, he was able to perceive the thoughts of God. Um, he was able to discern in his senses, this is what God's doing. I know what to do in this situation. He wasn't getting with the Father and getting the 101 bullet points every morning of the things that God was wanting him to watch for. Now, that's just my personal belief. I think he was more enjoying relationship with the Father and being so sensitive to his voice and his his desires that when he was out among people, he knew the heart of God in the moment for the person in front of him, or he knew, ignore that accusation and keep moving forward. So what's Paul saying? This is who Jesus is, and I have become so enamored with his divine relationship with the Father through the Spirit that I am now participating with him in that same relationship with the Father through the Spirit. And if you don't catch that yet, watch me. Mimic me. Realize where I am drawing my life. I am drawing my life from the person of Jesus through the Spirit and the relationship that the Eternal Son has with the Eternal Father. This is the point of, of, of what Paul's getting at. Follow my example. Mimic. Imitate what you see in me. So here was the big aha. And, and here's why let me give you the big aha, and then I'll walk you through, again, some things to watch for that, that could be dangerous if you're not careful. Here's the big aha. Uh, talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Um, biblical verse, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Guys, what you say is not what people really, quote unquote, catch. It is what you do. And the reason I am say, I, I want to, balance is not the right word, make a complete statement with that statement is this. 
This is why grace and identity is such a huge deal. Because if you don't know that it is God's power to do the will of God, it is God's, I would even say it's his desire. It's not just his power. He actually changes your desires to to want to do the things that God has designed you for. It's his, it's his power, it's, de, it's his desire, and it's unearnable. You can't be good enough for it. You can't merit it. If that thing's not central, okay, so that's number one. Number two is identity, knowing that who Jesus is is now who I am by his doing, not my own. And the only way I shut that down is through unbelief, to reject God's gift, to say, no, I don't want this free gift you've given me, is the only way to shut down what he has freely given in Jesus. Okay, when those two things, the grace of God and identity in Christ, are so in the fabric of your DNA, in the fabric of your foundation for life, then here's the thing. The doing of the kingdom is actually fun and refreshing and rejuvenating. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 4. He said, my food is to do the will of my Father. In other words, think about this. Jesus just tied doing the will of God to eating. Now, if I were going to ask you, I bet all of you enjoy um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe even a few snacks in there. Um, you look forward to a great meal. You look forward to um, uh, a great meal with friends or with family or, or, or things like that. Jesus ties doing the will of God to eating. To me, that is a blow away. And think about, think about what, what physical eating does. It gives your body nutrition. It, your body breaks down the food. It synthesizes it into your bloodstream. And that's how you get something called energy to actually do things in life. So Jesus says that, that in the same way physical food nourishes our physical body, so doing the will of God nourishes our soul. That's how it that's how God designed it to be. The will, doing, obeying the will of God is not heavy. If it's heavy, then it's not Jesus because Jesus said, my yoke, it is easy and my burden, it is light. And here's the funny thing. Why do people get all bent out of shape when you say things like that? Because their experience is the will of God is heavy. The, the, the commands of God are heavy, even though the scripture says in 1 John 5, his commands are not burdensome. So when they do feel burdensome, what that reveals is there's something broken in our understanding or there's something lacking in our revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's nothing lacking in you. There's nothing lacking in your identity. It is a lack of revelation in what you already have in Jesus. This is why Paul never prays that you would get more of God, never prays you'd get closer to God. He does pray that you would have revelation of Jesus. He does pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is his prayer. Because he knows the more you realize, the more you see, the more your eyes are opened to the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done, the more power you you operate from in living out the kingdom of God with joy. And guys, here's the crazy thing. Uh, the, the other crazy thing, I have found the best way modeling works, or, or let me say it a different way. Your whole life, you are modeling something. 
You're you're constantly giving away your revelation of Jesus and the kingdom of God and who you are personally. Whether you believe that or not, you are. And so that's the whole thing is you're always modeling something. So it's not an uh, uh, it's not like try to model. It's a realization you always are. What I've discovered is the more I quote unquote try to model the life of Jesus or try to model a life full of a revelation of Christ, it doesn't work very well. I get tired and I get worn out. The more I just allow the goodness and the wonder and the pleasure of the presence and and person of Jesus just permeate my understanding, permeate the way I talk, the way I what 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 ideas and thoughts I wrap my mind around. The more modeling, the more fruitful I am in modeling a life, a kingdom life. I'm not trying to. I'm not. It's not my goal. It is the byproduct of a goal. I don't even like using that term in the in these terms. It's a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. It's merely the byproduct because here's the thing. It's so light. It's so easy and yet it's so powerful and it so works. People become inspired, not by you, but by Jesus in you. And therefore there's no, there's no pull on you to have to keep proving something to other people. You just get to relate to the person in the moment. And again, there's going to be those that go the distance over a long period of time. And there's going to be those that are the one-offs or the, the every other year or one one day a month or, or whatever the rhythm is that's going to look different. But you don't have to carry this huge burden like it's all on my shoulders. You get to love the person in the moment, sensitized to the Father, Son, and Spirit, knowing that you're participating in the life of God, and the Holy Spirit takes your little leaven, your little life, and he begins to knead it into the dough of society, into people's thoughts, into people's emotions, into people's experience of what it's like to actually interact with a Christian. Ultimately, what is it like to interact with the Godhead? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Just as the Father sent me, so I send you. It says in 1 John 4. Um, what does it say in 1 John 4? It says in 1 John 4, as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, as he is right now, so are we right now in this world. Don't downgrade the kingdom of God because you can't explain it, because you can't prove it because of a lack of experience or because some negative emotions every time, uh, every, every so often. What I've realized is so many times we, we, we sell short our identity and the kingdom of God in the here and now because of a lack of experience, a lack of understanding, or the presence of negative emotions. That's not the end of the world. We don't need to base who we are, who God is, based on a temporary, momentary experience. But we base it on what the scriptures say. And over time, our experience begins to transform. It begins to change. Okay. So hopefully what you've caught is uh, modeling is the way that the kingdom goes forward. It's actual relationship. It's not just a talking head. It's not just someone talking at you, which is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but it's actually being in people's lives and then being in your life to the point where they see how you 
raise your kids. They see how you cook dinner. They see how you clean your house. They see how you do the basic, normal, everyday stuff of life. And when the the grace of God is infused in your understanding and in your revelation of Jesus, then guess what? All things have purpose. All things are can be fruitful. All things can be a, a thing of celebration, can be a, a time to celebrate. And people begin to catch something in the interaction, in the leaven of your life that begins to transform their perspective, that begins to transform their emotions, that begins to transform their thoughts and their ideas and their conceptual understanding of people, God, themselves, that begins to transform their actual experiences of God, people, themselves. And that has the potential to actually shift and change real people's lives, and it can move through relational networks, and this would be an aspect of what it means to make disciples. It's it's learning the rhythm that Jesus lived out of, of, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Where did he find his life? Where did he find his joy? In a relationship with his Father, not in an outcome that could be reproduced 5,000 times. It was the relationship with God that the Holy Spirit that could would breathe on in people's interaction with Jesus and would help them see and catch a different kingdom. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of God is being displayed on the earth and people's lives are turning upside down. And as I often like to say, and that is good news. So Father, I thank you that you have wired us to buy the way we live, that we are modeling and reflecting the kingdom of God, the person of Jesus, the Father and the Spirit, released into a world that is that was created to function in participating in the life of God. And we just ask for greater revelation in this season of how in union we are, of how powerful you've made us, of how uh, much you already overflow, as your word says in John 7, anyone who believes will have rivers of living water flowing from his inmost being. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you've liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care.